0: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21 year long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry The Apostle Paul, speaking about himself prior to his salvation, referred to himself as the chiefest of sinners or the foremost of sinners. Yet this one, who had been the great persecutor of the church, eventually becomes the chiefest among the apostles. How did God accomplish such a reconstitution of Paul? Was it his miraculous work transforming him in an instant? Or was it the constituting work of the Spirit over many years? Second Corinthians chapter four is a key chapter in providing answers to this profound question. Ed Marks has joined us today. Always good to have you, Ed, and I think this is a good topic for you.
1: Chris, Second Corinthians is one of my favorite books, and Chris, we've pointed out in the past that, uh, well, even Watchman Nee, he said, he considered Ephesians might be the highest book in the Bible, right? but that Second Corinthians is probably the deepest book, Mm -hmm. because this can be considered an autobiography of the Apostle Paul. And Chris, what you uh, said here in your introduction is really something. It reminded me of D.L. Moody. He said regeneration is the greatest miracle. Right. You know, one uh, moment a person's a sinner, then he calls on the Lord, he opens up to the Lord, he prays, he receives the Lord as his Savior. He becomes a son of God in an instant. That's regeneration. hmm then when the Lord comes back, that's related to our spirit. Right. When the Lord comes back, we'll be glorified in an instant. That's related to our body. But the question you pose is very critical, Chris, because in between regeneration and glorification, there's transformation. And this does not take place in an instant. This is something that takes place over a long period of time through the spirit constituting himself into us little by little, Day by day as we contact the Lord and enjoy Him in the midst of sufferings, pressures, trials, all kinds of environments. We contact the Lord. We enjoy Him. We fellowship with Him. He adds Himself to us, and then we get transformed. And transformation is a great miracle. It's a process of many years, actually a process of our whole life.
0: The Apostle Paul, Ed, his life is one where uh, after this miraculous regeneration experience that he had and all of those events which he talks about himself in, in the book of Acts, uh, then he has a long period of time, doesn't he, really before he enters into his so-called apostleship. And during this time, what we see in chapters like uh, 3 and 4 of Second Corinthians, as you just mentioned, is in many ways an autobiography of the Apostle Paul. And Ed, this autobiography includes some real windows that give us insight into how he and the other apostles experienced Christ.
1: That's right, Chris. And what you see, particularly in these chapters, which you said is the real heart of the book, is you see a person experiencing the riches of Christ through sufferings, consuming pressures, and the killing work of the cross. And that's how a precious stone is formed, through heat, pressure, and then through, of course, there's a metabolic inward process that goes on that changes a piece of coal into a diamond. This is what happened with Paul. He said we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. This is at the end of chapter 3. right? And this takes place through the process of our arranged environment of heat and pressure. But in the middle of that, we can really enjoy the Lord and contact him, and he's the one who transforms us.
0: Well, Ed, we really see that uh, highlighted, underscored in the verses that we're going to cover today, beginning with verse 7 in chapter 4. I'm glad you brought out uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 there, uh, where uh, Paul is really placing us all before the face of Christ, beholding and reflecting, and then this transformation work takes place. But now we see something about why there's a necessity for the heat and the pressure and the uh, environmental things that the Lord arranges, and that's to help Reduce something of us that he can add something of Christ. Okay, verses 7 and 8 in chapter 4 say, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not out of us. We are pressed on every side, but not constricted, unable to find a way out, but not utterly without a way out, persecuted, but not abandoned, cast down, but not destroyed. Boy, he must have been experiencing Christ to be able to uh, utter such words, Ed.
1: Yeah, Chris, and you can see the paradox here. On the one hand, the earthen vessel is weak, fragile, frail, mortal. But inside of us, we have an indestructible, indissoluble, life-giving treasure, which is Christ himself. Well, let's join Witness Lee. I'm looking forward to our message today.
2: Chapters three and four are the most crucial chapters of these two books. No other chapter is so subjective with the uh, Constitution of Christ for the deeper experience of life. Firstly, these two chapters tell us that the uh, apostles and the ministers of the new covenant were constituted. In other words, They were reorganized. They were rearranged. You have to realize they were made human beings, yet they got fallen, right? And Paul considered himself the chief among all the sinners. A rebel against God has been made a minister of the new covenant, a minister of Christ to carry out God's new covenant economy. This is something too great. How could this be then? This fallen top sinner has been reborn, number one, then reconstituted. What Saul of Tarsus had was altogether fallen element. And these fallen elements can be redeemed back through the redemption of Christ. But redemption cannot do the constitution work. To do the constitution work, there is a need of uh, some new element and this new element dear saints is the process to God God has been processed and he's now in resurrection the life giving spirit and this dear life giving spirit indwells in your spirit to be the very element for you to be reconstituted.
0: and let's go back to something you mentioned a moment ago. The effectiveness of Christ's redemption is applied to us in an instant, as soon as we receive Christ. And at that same instant, we're regenerated, reborn again. But these two uh, marvelous things, as wonderful as they are, are not adequate to accomplish this reconstituting work, are they? Talk about that.
1: No, they're not, Chris. And, and Chris, I think a marvelous picture of this is in the Old Testament. You know, with the children of Israel, they were under Egyptian tyranny, and they were under Pharaoh's domination. So what did God do? He came in to judge Egypt. Yeah. And, of course, the children of Israel, they uh, slew that Passover lamb. Uh They put the blood on their doorposts, on the upper frame of their house, and they ate the lamb inside of their house. Well, this is a picture of our salvation, right? We've been cleansed by the blood. Right. We've been delivered from God's condemnation and judgment. We've received Christ as the Passover lamb into us. Then that strengthened them to get out of Egypt. They passed through the waters of the Red Sea, which signifies the waters of baptism. They got into the wilderness. But, Chris, here they were. They were redeemed. Yeah. They were separated from Egypt. Yeah. But in their constitution, they were still Egyptian. So, see, we can be saved, we can redeemed, but our constitution is still worldly. And the reason why we know this, again, this is the type, the picture. What God wanted to do was to change their diet. He fed them manna for 40 years. And after a while, they got sick of manna. They said, we want some Egyptian food. We'd like cucumbers, garlic onions. Right. They longed for that food from Egypt, because whatever you're constituted with is what you long for, you see? Right. So what the Lord wanted to do was change their diet and reconstitute them. Now, in New Testament terms, when we get saved and we pass through the waters of baptism, we receive Christ as our Savior, what the Lord wants to do is reconstitute us with Christ. So how does he do this? He became a man, the Word became flesh, He passed through human living. He went to the cross, died an all-inclusive death, and in resurrection he became the life-giving spirit, and he came into us. Now he is the heavenly manna inside of us, and we need to feed on him every day. This is why we need to come to the word every day Mm. because the words that he speaks to us, they are spirit and they are life. So in the midst of all our trials, when we read the Bible, And when we read the Bible prayerfully with prayer, that word can become the spirit to us to reconstitute us with Christ so that we're no longer Egyptian. We don't express Egypt. We express Christ.
0: And in uh, the verse we read a moment ago, verse 7, I think a verse that many, many believers cherish this verse, that is that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We're going to see it in its context now. The verse preceding is critically important to understanding this. This is the verse that says, Because the God who said out of darkness light shall shine is the one who shines in our hearts to illuminate the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That verse has a lot of uh, parallels, doesn't it, with uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18.
1: Yes, it does, Chris, and I think our listeners will be really helped by Brother Lee's Fellowship here, and I'm looking forward to us fellowship and afterwards, too. This is a marvelous portion. Well,
0: let's go back to
2: Witness Lee. Verse 7 says, But we have this treasure. What is there so good that it's considered by the Apostle Paul? Treasure. In verse 6, Something has been shined into our hearts. And that is a treasure. And Paul calls this treasure. We have this treasure. This treasure is wonderful. This treasure is marvelous. This treasure is precious. But we have this treasure in something not marvelous. So he uses the word but. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We are earthen vessels. And this is to prove that the excellence of the power. My, I thought of Tarsus was just an earthen vessel. But how could such a wordless person manifest the truth shining the glory of the gospel. How could I do this? Do I have the power by myself? This, This is strong proof that excellence of the power is not of me, but of God. It is of God. God has shined this treasure into me the worthless earthen vessel and this treasure becomes the motor the source of power and this treasure motorizes me to shine to manifest the truth don't you have a motor within you? a treasure!
0: and we've got a This marvelous treasure that has been shined into us, but it's enclosed, it's encased with a flawed earthen vessel, isn't it? But it really highlights, magnifies how that, the power then must be of God and not of us.
1: Exactly, Chris. And like we pointed out, we are vessels made to contain the Christ of glory. But as vessels who have been formed to contain Christ, we're earthen. This means we're fragile, we're even worthless, and we're very, you know, it's handled with care. You could put a sign on us, right? We break very easily. But within us, there is an indestructible treasure that's eternal, that's immortal, and that's marvelous. And this treasure is a person. And, Chris, what I would like to point out, this has always been very precious to me. When Paul says we have this treasure mm-hmm. in earthen vessels, there's a treasure inside of us. Yeah, You have to go back to the previous verse to see what this treasure is. And if you look at the previous verse, it talks about that God is the one who said, out of darkness light shall shine. He shined in our hearts to illuminate the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And it says, but we have this treasure. Okay, this treasure, you could say, is Christ. But strictly speaking, this treasure is the face of Jesus Christ. In the Greek, means the part around the eyes. It's translated in the same book, 2 Corinthians 2.10. Paul says, I forgive this brother in the person of Christ. Or you could say in the face of Christ. Right. This means this is the index of a person's eyes. This means everything Paul did, he lived and acted in the index of the Lord's eyes. He did everything in the most personal and intimate contact with Christ. Chris, we can testify when we have the Lord's presence, we have everything. Yes, the Lord does live in you, and he never leaves you. But do you have his presence right now? You you see, like you and I, we're looking at one another. It would be terrible. I was looking at you and your head was down. (laughs) Then I wouldn't have you. But because we're looking at one another, we have one another's eyes. We have each other's person. What we treasure the most is the presence of Jesus Christ. This is the treasure of his face. Anyway, Chris, I just, in the midst of all of our circumstances, Chris, if we turn our hearts to the Lord, whenever the heart is turned to the Lord, the veil is taken away, then we can behold him with an unveiled face. Then he infuses himself into our hearts to transform us. Chris, it's as simple as right now, if you're driving on the freeway, if you're in your kitchen, wherever you are at work, you could say, Lord Jesus, I turn my heart to you. I like to look away from everything to you right now. Then you can enjoy him. You can enjoy the treasure of his face right this moment.
0: Boy, I'd love to linger right here. <laughs> this is the point that uh, you said you treasure. Uh, we all love this fellowship. Uh, we're forced to go on, and it's important that we go on because this message has two components, and this is The key first component, but we still have the earthen vessel that has to be dealt with. And we see that in context here in the verses just ahead. In verse 10, it says, Always bearing about in the body the putting to death of Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who are alive are always being delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then, death operates in us, but life in you. For the sake of the members, Ed, we have to experience this part as well, don't we?
1: We do. We need the inner enjoyment of the treasure and the outward environment. Both work together to transform us. All right, let's go back to Witness Lee.
2: This is the power, the source of the strength for the apostles to shine the gospel, to manifest the truth. Not only so, from this verse onward, the apostles lived a life. What kind of life? Not a glorious life. They lived a crucified life. And you have to realize this term, crucified life, indicates a life undergrounding. You know what is undergrounding? Jacob like grins under the stone. To be granted. I tell you, this is the life of Jesus. When the Lord Jesus lived on this earth, he lived the life under the grinding. His mother, his brothers in the flesh, and all his disciples, no need to say his opposers, persecutors. Even always on his side are grinding stone. They daily granted him. Verse 9. Always bearing about in the body. The putting to death of Jesus. When the Lord Jesus was on the earth, every day he was putting to death. He was under the killing. And the apostles experienced the same thing. Daily they were putting to death. Daily they were under the killing. Praise the Lord. This has a purpose. All these grinding, all these continual daily killing works for one thing, that the life of Jesus might be manifested in our body. And the life is the rhetoric of life. So Paul doesn't care how much killing he is suffering. He didn't care for this, because she realized his being killing imparted life to so many. This was the life that the apostles lived.
0: And this is remarkable. The Lord Jesus experienced, in his daily human life, grinding. The apostles experienced, in their daily life, grinding persecution, all these things that we read about a moment ago. Yet for some reason, when we experience this, we think there's something wrong, don't we? Why do we interpret it so? Why are we so surprised, Ed?
1: Well, Chris, I think it's our natural concept. You know, what we need to realize is that what God wants to do is he wants to work himself into us. He wants to dispense himself into us, and he wants to transform us so that he becomes the treasure of our whole being. So many times, here he is, he's the treasure within us, we're enjoying him. Then we're placed into an environment of heat, of pressure, and of limitation. You know, Paul was a prisoner. In Ephesians, he said, I am a prisoner of the Lord. Even I'm a prisoner in the Lord. He was in a limited situation. You might feel like a prisoner. Uh, You know, a wife who has husband, four kids, she feels limited. But in that limitation, We can experience Christ as the unlimited treasure. In the middle of all the grinding, Mm -hmm. you know, a grain of wheat uh, has to fall into the ground and die. Then the life within it is released. Well, this is what Paul did. Paul said that when he was a prisoner in the Roman Empire, that he magnified Christ. This means that in his limited situation, he expressed Christ. He extolled Christ. Christ was enlarged in his life. So we need to remember that all of our environments have been arranged by the Lord so that we can enjoy Him more, experience more, and express Him as the unlimited Christ in the midst of our limited, grinding, hard environment. This is where Christ is magnified. This is where Christ gains us, and this is where we gain Him.
0: Ed, I hope uh, we're able to do this again very soon, and we would invite you back. We'll invite our listeners back as well. For Ed Marks, I'm Chris Weil. Thank you very much for listening. Dear
2: Lord, we give to thee.
1: us into thy wise hands.
0: Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at Lifestudy.com. There you can read all of the life study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own life study reading schedule or download more life study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website Lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening. What does it really mean to be born again? Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verse 3. To be born anew is to be born from above, from heaven. That is to be born from God who is in heaven. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. It is a divine realm to be entered into, a realm that requires the divine life. Only the divine life can realize the divine things. Hence, for one to see or to enter into the kingdom of God requires that he be regenerated with the divine life. Scripture, John 3, verse 3, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version, published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.